Let's be frank, security and the steps we take to protect ourselves are never top of mind. In fact, most people tend to operate under the mindset that bad things happen to other people and companies, never hitting too close to home. Until it does. Maybe it's an email you click on or a message that contains sensitive information you pass along to a coworker that winds up in an unsecured inbox. Regardless of the method or point of entry, bad actors or hackers will eventually attack if and when they can. More and more uh, people get into it is the same logic as when people are buying uh, burglar alarms uh, for home. So it usually sells greatly when home in your neighborhood gets broken in. You hear about it and then say like, mm, I should protect myself. When it's within your circles, like your family or uh, your uh, friends uh, work, whenever something like that happens, then those circles start to resonate with it. They need to get burned in order to learn about it. Alan Durek isn't one of those kinds of people, though. Alan is the CTO and COO of Wire, and he lives with three key terms always top of mind. Security, end-to-end encryption, and prevention. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Alan discusses some of the leading trends happening in the security space, including addressing the age-old issue of how users should be more proactive and less reactive. Plus, Alan details why email continues to be one of the most troubling forms of communication. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have a man of many titles, a co-founder, the CTO and COO of Wire, Alan Durek. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Albert. Uh, Awesome to be on the show uh, with you. All right, man. Let's get right into it. What exactly is Wire? What makes Wire unique? So Wire, if if I would try it, to uh, describe it uh, to someone that knows a bit about uh, technology, uh, but uh, still that I try to avoid uh, uh, buzzwords and uh, language that would not uh, be understood uh, by us insiders uh, (laughs) within the communication industry. So it would be like, it it is a business uh, communication uh, platform or the most secure uh, business uh, communication platform as um, we like to call it, and also as a number of others is calling it. And when we are talking business communication platform, there it is important to stress a kind of a dual nature of that platform. So one is part related to asynchronous collaboration, where you are sending messages, where you are integrating with the bots, where you are sending files, photos, stuff like that, uh, like kind of a, what, uh, uh, what Slack is doing. And the other part would be um, real-time collaboration or the conferencing part, like the one uh, what uh, Zoom is doing uh, with uh, audio calling, video calling, uh, screen sharing, uh, group video calls, etc. So uh, Wire is like kind of a platform uh, that uh, merges both of those uh, collaboration modes uh, and uh, unlike the uh, mentioned 
ones uh, like a Zoom and Slack, uh, Wire does absolutely everything in a completely secure way with end-to-end encryption. So uh, every message that is passed, every call uh, that is made, uh, absolutely everything is uh, being end-to-end encrypted. And on top of this, when uh, looking uh, into uh, collaboration solutions, uh, what is quite uh, interesting for Wire is uh, also its uh, deployment reach. So you can uh, deploy Wire as cloud version. You can uh, deploy it uh, as an on-prem. And uh, you can also deploy it uh, what um, some of our special customers have completely off the grid and uh, of the public internet uh, within their uh, self-contained networks. So tell me a little bit about, because well, on the website, it comes right out the gate and says you are the most secure collaboration platform. What makes your system so secure? What are, I guess, your value props that you're focusing on? Because it's pretty cool. You guys have a lot of awards. You've won from InfoSec, Cybersecurity Excellence Awards. Uh, you know, G2's named you to a leader. Captera's named you to a leader. So you've won a lot of awards for the cybersecurity element. Tell me what it is you are doing at the uh, a technical level and also who needs this level of security because I think that's one of the more interesting parts of it and where you envision seeing and understanding why this level of security is necessary. Excellent uh, question. Uh, so I'll, I'll try to um, depict it uh, with a first uh, part uh, related uh, to um, algorithmic uh, part. Um, so... As you know, uh, not uh, all end-to-end encryptions uh, are equal or uh, are the same. So the way uh, that uh, we are deploying uh, our solution is uh, characterized uh, by the fact that every single message that we send, uh, uh, whether it is um, audio message, video message, picture, text, uh, uh, like uh, on message that uh, someone else has passed or if you are starting audio call, video call, absolutely everything uh, uh, is uh, using different encryption key. And uh, with every message that we send, we are also sending encryption key that other side would send to us or that the other side would use to send message uh, uh, to us, uh, which is uh, next coming uh, from there direction. So um, as you see here, uh, we are ratcheting uh, these keys and uh, they are used uh, for every device that you are using uh, and uh, for um, every message, as mentioned, uh, that it's uh, sent uh, making kind of uh, every message like its own small uh, fortress. Uh, And um, when you're asking me like if um, this kind of uh, security is um, needed uh, for everyone or uh, who who are the ones uh, that are using it. uh, uh, I would like there to use um, analogy with uh, airbags in the cars. So uh, you might also remember that uh, from early days uh, of airbags in the cars, uh, maybe like 20 years uh, ago, uh, not all of the cars uh, had airbags and uh, you needed to pay more money uh, in order uh, to have Uh, airbag uh, and um, also it was not obvious case uh, that airbags uh, were quite useful in the car and uh, that uh, they were needed but then with the rise awareness of the uh, potential damages uh, that can happen when uh, airbags are not used 
And then with the help of uh, regulation, airbags became a de facto standard in uh, today's uh, transport or automobile uh, transport. So in the same way, uh, like with a collaboration here, we have a transport uh, of the messages and uh, also um, what we are taking care of is um, companies' privacies and also uh, people's privacy. So in the same way as uh, there you are with the cars, uh, transporting uh, people here, you are transporting uh, digital assets and uh, end-to-end encryption is there to protect it. And uh, it should be uh, always on in the same way as uh, airbags are always on uh, on the car. And uh, in the same way, we see that uh, regulatory bodies uh, are helping spread of end-to-end encryption. uh, And uh, uh, what is um, important uh, to stress, there is a GDPR regulation, uh, a general data privacy regulation, which is assuming uh, privacy by design. And uh, this is basically uh, what wire with its uh, strongest grade of uh, end-to-end encryption is uh, bringing to the game. So quite a long answer, but I hope um, it answers <laughs> the question. No, it does. I mean, but one of the things I want to think about and talk to us, our audience about is what made you think about this back in 2000? Because the company dated, it looks like it started in 2012. Right. And since then, there has been a rise of technology communication tools. You mentioned a couple of them already. There are more. Uh, There's other companies that are getting into the game every day. It seems like there's going to be more chat tools, more digital um, web conferencing tools. There are companies that are in this space. They're getting acquired. They're getting spun off. Like this, just a lot is happening in regards to communication. And we've had a lot of guests on, you know, from Dialpad to Slack to Log Me In. Like there's tons of companies that are in this game. My question for you is, why in your mindset do messages need to have this level of encryption? Does it cause problems for end users? I'm curious what type of customers need this level of security and encryption just so our audience can get a kind of understanding. Because I think a lot of us have... So I'll give you an example, right? Mm-hmm. When the rise of the pandemic happened, it started becoming very clear that it was actually quite easy to eavesdrop or drop in on whether it was web conferencing or it was pretty easy to get admitted into different communication tools pretty quickly. And those messages are not encrypted because as soon as you have a seat at the table, you can see every message going back and forth. The way you described wire is the sender has an encryption key. The recipient has an encryption key. Every message is secured. Unless those two keys match, they can't even read the message. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if a person dropped, so could a person drop into the middle of a wire conference and just see what's going on or would it be all fuzzy and jacked up for them? I'm trying to get, get an understanding of how, how that works. Yeah. So, so this is actually what is, what is the beauty of um, end-to-end encryption uh, that uh, it eliminates men in the middle. And uh, depending uh, uh, on um, company uh, that is using a collaboration uh, solution, uh, there is a higher or lower sensitivity of uh, information that they are passing. So some of our customers are large energy corporations whose uh, trade secrets uh, have been spoofed in the past. Wow. So they have a concern about um, information when they are intending uh, 
to buy a specific uh, oil field uh, in Africa or Asia. And then if uh, competition or someone else uh, gets uh, that information, uh, it can be quite damaging for them. So this is, this is like kind of a information uh, that uh, we are protecting. And then as well, uh, we have a, a number of um, uh, customers in the uh, governmental mm-hmm. uh, sector, uh, also some of uh, elite uh, military units uh, are using uh, wire uh, for communication. And as you can imagine, all of those uh, guys are handling uh, quite uh, sensitive information. But um, then uh, beside those guys, uh, we have also um, a number of um, doctors, uh, practitioners uh, that are using uh, wire. Uh, we have also a number of uh, NGOs uh, that are using wire. Uh, we have also uh, a couple of uh, large banks uh, that are using wire. So uh, largest, uh, world's largest private bank is using wire for uh, their um, business uh, continuity communication in the case of uh, attacks to their system or in the case uh, of um, major situations uh, like with uh, not patch yet, they have a way uh, to continue uh, their communication. So there is, as you see there, a wide range of uh, cases uh, when um, it is important to uh, have your communications uh, protected. And the thing there which is helping a lot is that um, with a GDPR and uh, similar regulations uh, that we see uh, are now being embraced uh, around the world, uh, the regulators are making sure that companies are not using, I would say, like a reckless solutions where uh, almost any script kid uh, can take their customer base information, and then that information is being uh, sold uh, and is being uh, misused and uh, all sorts of things are happening and uh, all sorts of uh, privacy and security exploits are happening with it. And uh, we know as well uh, that um, email is an amazing tool uh, that has wide reach, but this is a tool uh, that's been uh, around for 50 years and uh, at a time when uh, it's been deployed we didn't live in a digital world uh, we live in a we lived in an analog world and now 50 years after when we live in a digital world uh, we see that it is inadequate and uh, that um, email servers uh, are also um, the weakest link in the chain and uh, that loads of exploits, uh, attacks uh, are happening uh, through the mail servers. Yeah, so tell me about what you're starting to, yeah, this is fascinating. Tell me what you're starting to see in regards to, because you're right, so much communication information is being transferred more than ever. And I'd be interested to know, like from your perspective, what you're seeing on, in regards to threat attempts or attack, you know, hack attempts, what is happening in the open marketplace? Are they increasing? Or are they decreasing? Are people becoming more sophisticated? Or how sophisticated are they getting in regards to their ability to you know, intercept communications? Because like you said, you since you deal with some of the more private and secure companies, I feel like you would then face a lot of attempts mm-hmm. to intercept these communications. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you're seeing from like on the from the other side. Like what do you see as hackers? What are some of the things they're trying to do 
to intercept these communications? So on, on that side, uh, attempts, and uh, not only attempts, uh, but also the exploits uh, that are happening uh, are getting really super sophisticated uh, and uh, with amazing degree of uh, auto automatization. Uh, also, you can see an application of uh, artificial intelligence uh, and a number of other fascinating uh, technologies in order to commit the cybercrime. And uh, when you hear that even Warren Buffett is uh, saying that uh, cybercrime is the biggest threat for economies uh, around the world, then you know that um, time is now to uh, start protecting yourselves and to start you know, using airbags in your car, uh, to, to use that analogy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you know, it, it is six trillion dollars per year problem and uh, it, it has uh, astounding cumulative uh, annual growth rate. And uh, just like uh, hoping that uh, uh, nothing will happen uh, to your uh, company or your organization, if you are dealing with any kind of uh, somewhat sensitive information, is uh, not acceptable behavior. And then as well, you see that even for the companies that uh, do not have uh, very sensitive information, then again, if they get hacked uh, through the email server and then uh, uh, through that path, they may be exposed uh, to uh, all sorts of uh, ransomware. So th there is a number of different attack vectors that need to be uh, considered and that they need to be protected. Uh, and I think also we can um, predict uh, that uh, within a couple of years, insurance for your company uh, insurance premium is going to be higher if you are absolutely not doing anything related to cybersecurity and if you are not using tools that have a security and privacy by design and that are applying uh, also uh, some of those uh, zero trust uh, security principles. No, I can see that. I can see legislation or litigation, litigation being the, the driver. I don't know how familiar you are with the U.S. tobacco industries, but mm -hmm. effectively, when people start suing the tobacco companies and we're winning huge sums of money for making them sick and using deceptive advertising practices and so on, it became their responsibility and fault. And so then they had to change the way. I mean, they still can sell tobacco, but you know how it's labeled, how it's recognized. The insurance premiums, as you suggested, probably all went up. Insurance premiums for smokers went up. But your mindset there, I agree with, is because if you are transferring, if you're a business that handles transfers, whatever, sense of information, and it starts leaking out and someone litigates against you and you lose, it's going to be a serious problem. And it's going to change the way companies think about encryption. I'm curious for yourself, why do you think there is a stigma associated with encryption? You'll hear sometimes people just say, just deploy zero trust. Don't worry about encryption. Just assume that nothing is, is, can be stopped. Just don't transfer information like that. There's kind of ideas like that. There's obviously ultra secure. Everything's got to be with a specific network. Uh, you've already mentioned before people that actually build private networks to communicate on so that it doesn't share over the internet or, or public clouds. There's people that go to that length, companies that go to that length. Why do you think there is a stigma at all associated with encryption? Why do you think 
Why do you think people have such very differing opinions on security? It seems like we should align because like on the airbag issue you mentioned, it there's alignment. I think everyone universally agrees airbags are good for you, but not everyone's aligned on how to secure information and data. Why do you think that is? Yeah, excellent one. And um, actually, fairly complex one uh, to answer because uh, it, it is of a somewhat uh, philosophical nature and uh, it is that in our human nature, people are uh, prone to take a risk. And uh, also the, there is a number of uh, studies, utility, uh, so, so-called utility study and others uh, that uh, are basically telling you that um, uh, if, for instance, uh, you offer people a reward of, let's say, $5,000 uh, and uh, that they can also uh, take $50,000 uh, with like a 20, uh, 20% or even more, like 30, 40% uh, chance uh, to take it. Uh, they're going to take the money and they're not going to take the risk uh, to get the higher amount of money. But at the same time, also, if you tell them like, okay, now you have to pay uh, $20 uh, per month uh, or you risk uh, to pay uh, 1 million fine, uh, majority of them, is not going to pay uh, $20, uh, $20 and uh, take it, uh, but they are rather going to be uh, facing uh, risk and, and the bigger consequence. Uh, so similar is uh, here with the, with the security. It, it goes against the way uh, that, that we are wired. And then when things are changing uh, there, things are changing uh, when uh, you become aware uh, of um, the consequences and uh, when those consequences uh, for you are the ones that you can uh, not take them. Uh, for instance, uh, I'm a snowboarder and um, 15 years ago, I would never think of a wearing hel- helmet. And, uh, you know, it, it was like kind of unpopular and you would, you would look funny uh, with a helmet on snowboard. Uh, you got to look cool on the slopes, man. You can't be having that helmet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but you know, like then uh, you you start seeing uh, in in a media how uh, people uh, lose their life, and uh, also there was a trigger uh, for this one as well uh, uh, with the, uh, one famous uh, actress uh, that lost her life uh, on a Canadian uh, slopes, uh, and even it was a green or a blue slope, uh, so it wasn't some uh, very difficult uh, slope, and it was all over CNN and all over major media, and a couple of cases like that. And some years after, every one of us is wearing a helmet. And, you know, now, now you look cool with a helmet. Uh, just, you know, you need to put a Red Bull sticker or uh, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> there you go. I know you're talking about, I think you're talking about Natasha Richardson, I believe her name. Liam Neeson's wife. Yeah, it was a Liam, Liam Neeson's, Liam Neeson's uh, I suppose. Yeah. There was also another famous one, Michael Schumacher, the F1 racer. He, he, I mean, he didn't, he didn't die in the accident, but he got he, life-changing paralysis and coma. Yeah. Exactly. So, so see, these are some of the things that need to happen in order for uh, those security solutions to take off. And uh, with the digital domain, I think also like enough Petya was a very good uh, wake-up call. And uh, then it is not a question if some of those major exploits uh, are going to be happening. It's, it's just a question uh, when they are going to be happening. And you see like all, all sorts of interesting uh, cases uh, that are happening uh, with the ransomware and uh, that are happening uh, 
with uh, respect to exploit of uh, sensitive uh, companies' data and even uh, private, uh, private people data. So here's an interesting question for you, because you are based in Switzerland, is that correct? Uh, that's right. So you're based in Switzerland. Europe is much more stringent on data, what you, as a company, right? What data you collect, what you store, how you protect it. America is much more lax. And then other countries are, you know, even more lax than America. And then other countries, of course, are more strict than Europe, all the greater of Europe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why do you think even on a, like even internationally, is not quite agreed upon for how to encrypt and store information? Where do you think this, this, uh, this like, I don't even want to call it a black swan event, but it's probably going to be a game changer, right? Like you, you kind of already hint, hinted at it. Typically... We talked about, I talked about the tobacco companies when they had their game changer moment. You talked about like how helmets have a game changer moment. Yeah. What industry or what countries do you see as potentially being most susceptible to the biggest threat? Because, you know, like I mentioned, Europe already has big stringent rules and they, I believe Europe's already levying big fines on companies for failing to protect information. Oh yeah. So it is with a GDPR, uh, you're spot on there. It's like a, 4% of a worldwide revenues or uh, like a minimum 20 million euros fee uh, that can uh, result uh, from um, this kind of negligence uh, on the company side. Uh, you see there as well uh, that uh, California started uh, following in the footsteps uh, over GDPR. So uh, California's Data Privacy uh, Act uh, as well is, is getting uh, in shape. Uh, and um, there, what is needed to happen is uh, just that awareness of uh, some of those uh, cases uh, is um, rising and uh, that it comes uh, to the same level as it was the case uh, with uh, tobacco that uh, uh, you, you've been talking about and uh, about the airbags. And, and I think uh, we, we are getting closer to that uh, tipping point. So that there's just that many... I guess attacks, or I guess, you know, it used to be, there used to be this thought process that if you can intercept information, you couldn't really do much with it. Now, if I have AI ML algorithmic learning on my side, I can now use, if I had, you know, if I could somehow get a pipe of communication into any organization, now I don't have to read it. I can use tools to sift out all the important information points and then, you know, script an attack of who knows what I would do with it. But I think, it, I think your point is right. It's like as tools keep evolving, the jeopardy of that data and the utility of it becomes even, gives even more nefarious. Because the reason why I always think about this is because on one hand, so these are just some of the more US cases, but there was, for example, the big Equifax hack. Mm -hmm. So where all the people information got compromised. There have been hacks at different hotel companies. You know, Yahoo has had a hack. Um, you know, effectively, you know, Yahoo's, it's not the, quite the same as what Wire does, but it's similar in regards to like, that's an email system. So if you had, if we got compromised, every single communication would happen. Mm -hmm. You know, eBay has famously had a, a compromising event. So you would know all my transactional data, my search data, potentially my uh, communication data between buyers and sellers. Yeah. So on one hand, those things are happening. But simultaneously, if I look at myself, you know, and I think luckily for most people, not much has really happened to them 
even though they've been part of these information leaks, you know, my if my hotel account got a compromise, but is my life different? No one took on my identity. No one took anything from me. So I just shrugged my shoulders and just continue moving on. Of course, there are people who have had their identities compromised or lost tons of money. Exactly. So on one hand, attacks are happening more frequently. We agree. On the other hand, uh, leaks are happening more frequently. We agree. But on the other and we also agree that a lot of people are being negatively affected. But there's still a huge army, like group of people that even though they've been information compromised, they haven't been affected. Why do you think that? And, and I think the, that's where it's the public's perception of leaking information might have gotten to the point where it's like, it doesn't matter if it leaks because everyone's information is leaked. What do you say to people who think that way, which is everything's already out there, so there's nothing to hide? Yeah. Uh, so so there, there basically, it's, it's, it's the first thing is uh, like to uh, make sure that uh, companies are not messing up uh, and basically just not being negligent about our data because uh, as as you asked me, and as we were discussing uh, tools that uh, guys in a cybercrime are using are getting amazingly automated and amazingly more sophisticated so that uh, they don't need only to uh, attack like a billion's worth individuals uh, or a companies. Uh, so this threshold is getting lower and it's getting wider. And it is also quite interesting a case. For instance, uh, one of one of our customers is a uh, family-run uh, business uh, that uh, employs uh, hundreds uh, of uh, people around uh, Europe. Uh, so what happened to them last year was the case where um, CFO got email from CEO to transfer specific amount. Uh, of money, which was in the millions of uh, dollars to a specific account. And uh, this kind of situation happened to them twice. And after that, they figure out that uh, they are being uh, hacked and uh, that they are being in a very sophisticated manner exploited. And they figure out uh, that they need to move away uh, from email. And that's when they started uh, talking to us. But for them, this loss of plus 10 million uh, euros uh, was uh, completely irreversible. And um, as you see, there is a more and more of uh, cases of uh, impersonation at the levels where um, it is uh, hard then to um, avoid this kind of uh, fraud uh, happening to companies and uh, how they can imper impersonate uh, with it. This great accuracy, it's due to those things uh, that you just mentioned, uh, that uh, they can collect uh, so much information about uh, us uh, from the previous exploits, plug it into a good uh, artificial intelligence uh, tools, and boom, there you go. I appreciate you sharing that information because you know that's, that's the big question, I think, is on one hand, I think people who are in the know know that this is a very big problem. And then I think there's just a big piece of our public that just says, we don't think it's a problem yet because nothing bad's happened to us. And so we don't think of it as like, oh, this is going to be a life-threatening thing. I think people have gotten so used to seeing hacks in news about hacks that they're just getting numb to it. But it, it hasn't happened yet. Like you said, it hasn't happened yet. That monster event where everyone's information is compromised. It's like often depicted in movies, I feel like, but it hasn't happened yet in real life. I think it, you know, potentially, who knows how it's going to go down. But 
I agree with you. I think there's going to be a landmark case of some unbelievable fine or litigated lawsuit against a company. It's going to reframe the way people think about how they should protect information. I, I do agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. And you see the other cases where uh, more and more uh, people uh, get into it is the same logic uh, as uh, when people are buying uh, uh, burglar alarms uh, for home. Uh, so it usually sells uh, greatly uh, when um, home in your neighborhood gets broken in. Yep. You hear about it and then say like, mm, maybe, maybe I, should, uh, I should protect myself. So, you know, when it's uh, within your vicinity uh, or, you know, within your circles, uh, like your family or uh, your um, uh, friends uh, work, when, whenever something like that happens, then those circles uh, start uh, to resonate with it. Just it's unfortunately, uh, they, they, need to get, uh, they need to get burned uh, in order to learn about it. It's like, you know, a bit, bit sad case uh, also is, is uh, my private uh, example uh, with, uh, with my parents uh, who've, uh, who've been uh, smokers uh, for most of their life until uh, they've, uh, they started to be aware how bad it is uh, to be a smoker. And then uh, first uh, they stopped uh, smoking in front of us uh, kids uh, when brother and me were kids. Uh, and then after that, uh, they stopped smoking in the car. And then after, you know, some time, uh, they stopped uh, smoking uh, completely. But um, due to this uh, reason, uh, also, uh, I lost my father uh, when he was uh, 69. So those are, you know, th- those are the things uh, that, uh, that are uh, quite tough experiences. Uh, just so th- this was like a bit of tobacco and awareness, uh, like, with uh, loss of a uh, private information and security, it is uh, it is as dangerous, uh, just uh, just in a different way. No, I appreciate you sharing that insight into your family and background. I think it's uh, it's exactly it's a like microcosm of what happens with people when when they think something's not their problem. It's not their problem until it is their problem, right? That's usually what causes the change. Exactly, and and then 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 it then it gets like a really bad end, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it's a little too late for that, but uh. exactly, and uh, you know, we we can still be cool uh, with a beanies instead of uh, helmets, uh, but uh, we can be cool with a helmet as well. There you go. Hey, listen, Alan. Before we end the show, we always got to lighten it up a little and we got to talk a little bit and get let our audience get to know you a little better. So we're going to do the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Alan, this is where I ask you a couple quick questions, quick answers to get to know you outside of work. You ready? Sure. Absolutely. You say you're a snowboarder. Would you consider yourself good? Yes. Let's say like a, a very good uh, and uh, goofy, not a regular. You're a goofy footer. Okay. Where's the most memorable place you've snowboarded? Uh, most memorable place, uh, Niseko, Japan. Oh, Japan. I've heard that. I believe that area has the world's most snowfall. Is that right? Every year they have the, the most snowfall in the whole world. Yes. Uh, Hokkaido. Yes, you're right. It's, it's on a Hokkaido and uh, Hokkaido Island. Uh, and it's a sick snow. It's, it's like a super light uh, powder because... Snow that is coming there is coming from Kamchatka, from uh, Russia, over uh, the sea. And then, you know, uh, sea with a saltiness uh, dries it out. And uh, then as it comes, it's a real powder. So it's like a dust almost. Very light and airy. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. How many other cybersecurity experts have you met that also snowboard? 
we need to include also skiers. Yeah. So uh, I would say like a dozen. 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 Yeah, man. Listen, all the developers, we got to get outside more. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> developers don't get outside enough. <laughs> Definitely. What's a, what's a hobby you've picked up in 2020? Uh, hobby picking up uh, uh, during the uh, quarantine period uh, is uh, making uh, my own uh, kombucha and uh, kefir and uh, started learning French. Okay, so you now make your own kombucha. We, we call it, all right, I don't even know if the, you said kombucha. Is that the proper pronunciation? Yeah. I thought it was kombucha. Yeah, it, it should be because it's coming uh, from uh, Russia and they call it either kombucha or uh, Kombucha, even. Okay, so you make your own kombucha. Yes. You are now learning French. And what was the third thing you were doing? Uh, kefir. Water kefir and the milk uh, kefir. Listen, you sound like a healthy guy. You sound like a very healthy guy. You're, drink, you're drinking, you're making your own kombucha. You go snowboarding a lot. Or would you consider yourself a healthy person, a health nut? It is more like, you know, to balance uh, five to seven shots of espresso that I take uh, during the day and, uh, you know, a bunch of, bunch of croissants. Uh, I'm a bit binary on that side, uh, you know, like uh, either I, I don't eat any croissants and the uh, bad stuff or I just go overboard. So I need to compensate a bit with this. You and I are very similar. You're, ju- you're just as likely <laughs> to see me eat a salad as I am to eat a, like a, a sleeve of Oreos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you, you enjoy the life and, you know, you should not be uh, burdened uh, with, uh, with the pre- pre- prejudices. Yeah. Well, Alan. I want to thank you for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thank you for sharing some of what you're doing at Wire, as well as your you know, opinions and views on the future of cybersecurity. I thought that was pretty insightful. And uh, you know, we look forward to seeing continued success for you and your company. Thank you so much, Albert. Uh, uh, fantastic uh, show. Uh, super interesting uh, questions. Uh, and uh, once more, thank you for inviting me and uh, greetings to all of your listeners. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experiences, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.